and welcome to another episode of Chai Time with Jags. Today I have Timia Eichenberg with me, who is an energy healer and self-care coach all the way from the USA. And welcome, Timia. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. So, Timia, how have you, what has happened in your life, rather, that has made you be where you are now? Obviously, everyone has a story and I've been following you on and off for a while. So I know you're an energy healer, but also I know that you're a qualified life coach Mm -hmm. as well. So why diversify? Well, when, okay, so when I found energy healing, I was in the deepest depression and anxiety episode that I had ever been in, in my entire life. Um, I'm currently 46 years old. Um, I grew up with a mother who is um, bipolar, manic depressive. Um, She's got a lot of other illnesses going on. Um, Just, it it was just a, a household that was not full of love and caring and emotional support. Um, My first vivid memory of my mom is when I was eight years old and she had disciplined me because I wouldn't wear a skirt that she had made to school. Um, So that's the first vivid image that I have of my mom, which is awful because that's not the kind of image you want to have of your mom. No, it's not. Um, So I had dealt with anxiety and depression my entire life in some form, but in 2018, 2019, ironically, it was at its worst when my life was really at its best Mm. because all of my kids had graduated high school. I have three adult children. My twins will actually be 23 um, next week. Oh, wow. Um, You don't look. I started young. Mama. I was 19 when I started. <laughs> <laughs> Again, and I think it's because like that was the plan, the path that was agreed to before I came into this earthly life, right? Is, yeah. is we all come in, we all come in with with what we're supposed to be doing. Mm. And in order for me to be able to get out of um my house and begin that healing journey. Um, that that's what happened was I got pregnant at 19 years old. It's funny. Um, real quick, my husband actually hired me. He was my photographic supervisor, um, where we used to work. Um, so he hired me and within six months we were, um, engaged and pregnant. And that was 27 years ago. How did your mother react to that? Uh, My mom was actually thrilled. Really? which Which was not the reaction that you would expect when you're freshly, well, at that time I was freshly 19 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Because we got pregnant. I turned 19 in October. We got pregnant November, December. Wow. Um, But my mom has always, and she did this with my kids. She was, she has always said, you need to hurry up and have kids before I die because she had a, um, she gets tumors from um, another illness that she has. So she was always afraid that she was going to die before she could meet grandchildren. 
Mm. Um, and then there's a whole nother section to that. Um, but so she was, she was very happy that, that I was pregnant and going to have a baby and planning a wedding. So it wasn't your typical, his parents were more typical. Really? His parents were more, are you sure you've thought about this? Have you, you know, thought about Mm -hmm. your options, all that stuff. Well, uh, I think at that time, like when we're talking like 26, 27 years ago, it was 95, 96. Yeah. God, it doesn't (laughs) feel that long ago. (laughs) But if you think about it, people were still very cautious back then as well. well, Yeah, because we had after school specials of teenage moms. And, Mm. you know, that was the time when they were really trying to like crack down on teenage pregnancies because Mm. there were a lot of them. There were, you know, it wasn't until probably what mid 2000s that I think the pregnancy rate on teenagers started to go down. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but yeah, she was, she, both my parents were happy. Um, But yeah, I dealt with um, anxiety and depression, you know, throughout after having my daughter, my oldest daughter, I wasn't um, prepared to be a mom as much as I thought I was. So I had postpartum depression with that, um, you know, took medication, came out of it. I was fine. Um, got to be a stay at home mom. Thank God my husband worked several jobs so that I could stay home. Um, because once we got pregnant with the twins, like there was no possible was no way scope. to go to work and, and pay for daycare. It was just not mm. possible. Um, and so I got to stay home with them until the twins got into kindergarten. and. Uh, once they graduated, um, you know, we were like, we manifested our house. It's really funny because we always said we always wanted to move back to the beach. We live right off the Chesapeake Bay, back to where my best friend lives. And, um, you know, we said, when the twins graduate, we'll look and see if it's possible. And the twins graduated in May. In June, my best friend's cousin offered us to buy her house because they wanted to move. Um, in September, we put our townhouse up on the market, sold in October. We moved into our new house in November. So in a matter wow. of six months, we sold and bought a new house. And, yeah. and where did you say you're living again? We're in Maryland. I'm in Maryland. So I'm Maryland. just outside of Washington, D.C. Oh, right. I thought you said Chesapeake. So I was thinking of Chesapeake yeah. Shores. That- Netflix program. (laughs) No, Chesapeake Bay. Um, Okay. Yeah, I don't think there's been a Netflix show in the Chesapeake Bay yet. They should make one, though. Yeah, maybe Um, they should. should. (laughs) If anyone from Netflix is literally listening to this, please consider that. Absolutely. We did have um, one of the the movies that, um, oh, gosh, what's his name? Clint Eastwood was in, um, was filmed in one of the, local places around here somewhere oh nice yeah they do some filming down here um so when it came to your mother's depression um obviously you said that you came to that realization obviously later in life but your first vivid memory was as an eight-year-old but when you when you were going through your own depression did you kind of um, join the dots as to what was happening or did that happen much later? Um, 
you know, I thought, you know, my mind always went to it's inherited, right? Because that's what we were always told. Your mental illness is always inherited. If your mom has it or your dad has it, there's a 50-50 chance that you're going to get it. And I thought for years that I was not going to turn out like my mom because I did not want to raise my children in an environment that I was raised in. And so very early on, I gravitated towards um, more natural stuff, more healthy stuff. Like I was, you know, I worked out, I tried to eat, you know, more fruits and vegetables. I exposed my children to more fruits and vegetables than I was exposed to. Um, you know, in the beginning I did cover it up with smoking and drinking. Um, but I made a conscious decision to not, not go down that path. Like I was going to use whatever resources I could to not end up like my mom. And it sounds horrible, but I didn't want to be that emotional, that upset, that um, victimized all the time. I just didn't want to do it. And in 2019, I was, I was done. I was like, I'm not, I'm not going on this roller coaster anymore. There's one of two things that's going to happen. I'm either going to drive my vehicle off the road and into a telephone pole or I'm going to find something that's going to get rid of it once and for all. And it's never coming back. Like those two things have no, um, was it rental space within my energy? Yeah. I mean, it's quite, you know, to kind of come up with those thoughts, they are very extreme, you know, and obviously once you've hit, you could say that glass ceiling, rock bottom, however you want to describe it, it really does drive you to the depths of despair just to try and I want to say think straight and even yeah. in the chaos somehow we do find a way or there's this array of light mm-hmm. or hope however you want to put it describe yeah. it and you get the answers sometimes we do pay attention mm-hmm. sometimes, sometimes we don't, we don't. Yep. you know I can say from my personal experience you know having dealt with anxiety myself it does drive me crazy and the thing is a lot of this is learned behavior yeah which we end up realizing later it's not necessarily inherited it's more the fact that it's learned behavior that our parents have seen with their parents so forth and so forth Exactly. You know, so it when you have that epiphany or that aha moment, it really does shift your perspective. So when you decided or when you got to that point, as you described, what were your next steps? What did you do? I got on Google. <laughs> <laughs> That's the beautiful part about not living in the 90s anymore, right? is we have all this information yeah. at, at our fingertips. So I went to Google and I said, you know, I typed in holistic emotional healing because at this point I had, I had gone to the traditional roots. I had gone back on medication. I had gone back to see a talk therapist. And after eight weeks, I was like, I, I can't continue on this path. Like, 
all the therapists wanted to do was keep bringing up things that I had already talked about with other therapists. Yeah, that is one thing I don't understand. I'm not dismissing that seeing a therapist or a counsellor is not a good idea. If you are in a if you are in real dire straits, definitely go and see a therapist. But obviously, the great thing now is that a lot of the therapists are trained in different methods of right. therapies, like cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, there's other ones as well that I can't think, right. think of off the top of my head. But your traditional counselor will constantly make you talk about the same thing over and over and over again and it I mean I know from personal experience it's irritating yeah yeah it's well so the, the, irritating right well the counselor wanted me to try the um um cognitive behavior therapy but all she did was give me an app to do like she didn't give me any instructions she was like here's an app follow the app you know the app will tell you what to do blah 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 and it was just like that's not where my head was it's, it's, it's so, and, and I don't know if it was just my, my inner knowing, knowing that that wasn't going to help. Mm. Um, I think obviously sometimes when you're in that space, obviously when you've been taking medication and everything, you numb out. Right. Yeah. So the fact that you didn't go through with what she was suggesting, that's a blessing in a disguise. Yeah. Yeah. Because it would, if I had, I might not have found what I did find. Um, and what I did find was that um, I needed both the energetic side, but I also needed conscious work. And when I found the energetic side, it was, um, I found a modality called the emotion code. And it was, you know, muscle testing to clear trapped emotions. And of course, my first thought, having really only done traditional healing up until that point, was like, what, huh? Like, is it really? I don't know. But at that point, I was like willing to try anything because nothing else had worked. Mm. And so and I'm the type of person that if if I'm going to try something, I'm either going to pay somebody else to do it for me or I'm going to take the cheaper route and I'm going to learn how to do it myself. And so that's what I did was as soon as I I took I did one or two sessions with other practitioners and I felt really good afterwards. I felt lighter. I felt calmer. Um, and I was like, I'm going to learn how to do this so that I can heal myself because I know just two sessions are not going to do it. And then I could heal my family. So I went ahead and got certified with no intention of ever doing this as a business. This was just, this was like a hobby for me to begin with. It was like crocheting to keep me busy. (laughs) yeah Um, I mean the thing is if you look back at life we never think we're going to be where we are now 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 when you look at your path it's just like how many turns did we take Mm -hmm. to get where we are yeah and then you tick back when you look back you'd probably tick all those experiences and Mm -hmm. like oh yeah, yeah now I understand and so when you, what did you do before you started on this journey? Obviously you said that you'd got pregnant and you would stay at home mom. Yeah. But I, when the kids went to school, what did you do? I started working at um, Michael's uh, craft store. I, I sold craft supplies 
Um, I baked cakes and sold cakes. I sold Mary Kay. I sold um, women's hand tools. Um, <laughs> so you've got a varied background. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and my most recent job was I was um, an accounts payable um, manager. So I, I paid the bills for a rental company. Um, you know, and if it wasn't for um, my husband giving me the opportunity, and I say giving in a way that he worked it out so that his income pays everything so that I can do what I love. So I don't have to stress about paying. paying and that is so beautiful. So thank you very much, 10 years husband. Yes. <laughs> I, you know, he still gives me butterflies when he comes home. It's just, we started out in a way that you would think that nobody would last. Right. I mean, we met each other, got pregnant very quickly, but 27 years later, we're still very happily married and love spending time together. Um, and that's beautiful because you guys in a way have grown together mm-hmm. where ideally you have supported one another in the best way possible. Absolutely. And that is such a beautiful thing to have. You have to have support. all these years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And if you're on a healing journey, support is so important. Um, you know, I know that there are women out there that have done it on their own and I applaud them because it's incredibly hard to do period. But when you don't have that foundation, you don't have that support to do it. Otherwise it, it does make it more difficult. Definitely. Um, so, I mean, if it wasn't for him, I don't know if I would be where I am today just because he supported me in everything I was doing, even if he didn't believe in it at first. And he was like, if it's going to help you go for it. And what is his take on it now? Um, he asked me all the time, you know, Hey, can you work on this? Hey, can you work on that? Hey, does the universe think that we need to stop doing this? <laughs> so you've literally convinced him otherwise yeah. then. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a time when I was like, is he ever going to believe in what I do? And now he does. But and it was brilliant. Just, yeah. It's just, it, it, you know, everybody says it takes time. It takes time. Just keep doing what you're doing and it will He'll come around. And if he doesn't come around, so what? You know? Yeah. And the thing is, it's just aligned to be that way. And I'm sure he's gone through his own healing journey as well. And he's done a complete transformation within himself as well. I'm if he has, he doesn't talk about it. Um he's just I don't think I don't think men generally do no, unless no. they are very, I want to say passionate about right about that um but then again some women are very passionate about things and they mm-hmm. don't necessarily talk so everybody's different private. yeah very very and that's, private. and that's okay that's okay I get things <laughs> out of them every once in a while but you know um I know when I started to heal my relationship with him got deeper and got um we got closer we got more intimate um my relationship with my kids became closer um, my relationship with my parents, while it did become closer, it did get better because I learned to set up boundaries and not allow certain energy 
things to occur, right? I just, I learned to protect both my energy and my heart and my brain and everything around it. Boundaries is a really big thing. And a lot of people struggle with setting Mm -hmm. boundaries. Now, whether it's children, teenagers, obviously they're learning, but how as adults, we find it hard to actually set boundaries. Absolutely. what advice would you give to people about learning to set those boundaries with others, um, whether it's loved ones, friends, people that they're going to potentially meet, and especially in relationships? Because yeah. as women, we have a tendency to give a lot more than yeah. what we get back. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that some men do that as well. I think, I think, I think probably a majority of people do. Yeah. So what, so what advice would you give them on learning to set boundaries, which honor them continuously? Um, I would suggest a couple of things. The first one would be start small. Don't go, don't go big on your first boundary. Unless, unless there you're in a situation where you're unsafe, then go big, but start small, start with, you know, if somebody you've asked somebody not to text you at three o'clock in the morning and you, and they, again, texted you at three o'clock in the morning say, Hey, listen, I know you want to tell me these things like quickly or whatever, but could you possibly just email me? instead of texting me because the texting wakes me up. And if, if you can't do that, then I'm going to have to block your number when I go to bed. Right. And then you can unblock it when you wake up, start small. Um, the easiest way for me to set those boundaries. Um, and my mom was the one I had to set the boundaries with. Those were the biggest boundaries I had to set, you know, anybody else I had to set boundaries with they were pretty receptive. Like they were like, and most people will be receptive. The ones who are not going to be receptive to those boundaries that you set are those ones who are afraid they're not going to be able to control you anymore. And with my mom, I emailed her my boundaries. I was like, I'm not doing this in person. I'm not doing this over the phone. I'm just going to email them because that was, some people may like may look at that and go, well, that was kind of like, I don't know what the word is, um, sheepish, like cowering behind a computer screen. But that's how I had to protect my energy because I knew how she would react. And I didn't mm-hmm. want to put myself in that position. No, that's understandable. But what was your mother's reaction to your email? She had my dad um, email me back and say, your mother would like you not to contact her for three months or for a while. And it wound up being three months. Now, my mom would be notorious for um, doing things to the point where people would stop talking to her. And I've never done that. I've never said, I don't ever want to talk to you again. I'm not doing this anymore. Stop contact. I've never done that. Mm. And it's, it's funny how, when I put up boundaries, she's the one that turns around and says, don't contact me for a while. And she's then when, taking it as a form of rejection. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. And, and I know that. And, and, and it was not easy to do that to your mom. And of course not. I think, I think, well, please correct but me if I'm wrong. If she wasn't my mom. Yeah. I would need to put up those boundaries. Mm. So why does that relationship change where her, where my boundaries lie? Mm. I mean, I, you know, you need to protect your inner peace. Mm-hmm. Your mental peace right. of mind is so, so important. And that's become so apparent, especially in the last couple of years. Absolutely. You know, with all the Absolutely. havoc that was going on in the world. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And it it shouldn't matter whether it's your mother, your brother, your neighbor, your coworker. If anybody's crossing those boundaries that you have either internally set up or consciously set up, you, you need to stand your ground and say, no, this, this isn't, I'm not going to put up with that anymore. And it can mm-hmm. be done in a healthy way. Yeah, no, of course. You know, I know yeah. through an email, they're going to read it the way they're going to read it, regardless of how you write it. Of course. I, I mean, I always find text messages and emails can be very, impersonal and obviously they when can. things are written down people do take them the wrong way even though they do. they do you know that's not your intention but the onus is on them not right. you exactly you know? how they react right how they react to me is not my problem yeah <laughs> it sounds not- horrible right it sounds I horrible mean- but it's the reality of it i mean the yeah. thing is we can't control anybody else but we can control how we are exactly the other thing that I wanted to ask you is after you did that certification for your personal use, mm-hmm. what did you do afterwards? Because we were having a conversation yeah. offline the other day and you were like, I've got something else to tell you. I was like, okay. Yeah. So you, so, went, you went to one of these, was it ceremonies? Oh, what, yeah, ceremonies? Ceremony. Yes. Yes. So how I've did been... that come about? So I had, so I, between the energy healing and finding self-care, I healed my anxiety and depression within six months, a hundred percent came up all medications and that's been two years. So how did you do that healing during those six months? Um, I used um, muscle testing, lots of charts. Um, I used, yeah, um, you muscle test through charts. So the emotion is a, is a chart based healing system. So you use muscle testing to ask your subconscious, where do I need to go to find what to clear? And it can be everything from emotions to beliefs, to toxins, to whatever. I mean, you name it, you can put it on a chart, your subconscious will find it. Um, So between that and clearing entity attachments and doing the self-care every single, it was a deliberate action I had to do every day and I still do it. And how Um, long does it take you on a daily basis? To do my self-care less than an hour a day because my, my self-care routine is, you know, maybe at this point it's 20 minutes to 30 minutes of meditation. But I, when I started meditating, it was less than five minutes. Um, and even after that six months, it was still less than five minutes. Um, journaling, I get movement in every day. It's not necessarily an hour jog. It might just be 
walking around my living room for 10 minutes or doing some stretching, but it's just getting movement in. Um, and then it's the other things like keeping my boundaries. Um, I don't know if you've read the four agreements, but there's um, rules in there of like not making assumptions. Don't take anything personally, um, being impeccable with your word and always doing your best. And if you are always doing your best with those other three things, like you're golden. Just, it, I mean, that book really changed my life. I, I give that book to everybody and I teach it in my, in my course. Um, but the ayahuasca ceremony came up about last summer. Um, mm -hmm. and I wanted to deepen my spiritual practice. I wanted to start hearing more from my guides and I wanted, and one of the other things was I wanted to find out why I had still had this deep need to get love from my parents, knowing I wasn't going to get the love that I wanted from them. Like, why, why can I not get rid of that need? Because mm -hmm. I had done so many sessions like around it, like why, why, um, so I went into the ayahuasca ceremony with the intention of deepening my spiritual practice and figuring out where this feeling of unlove comes from. And wow, like I was nervous going into it because of all of the horror stories I had heard. Um, but I had such an amazing experience. If you take out the purging, once, if you took out the purging, I... I heard from my guides, I, the, um, and the medicine told me that I didn't need to continue looking for that love for my parents because I had it right at home. Like, why was I looking outside of where I was? Mm -hmm. Because I already had it and I needed to let go of ever getting it from anybody else, but myself. And I, I think, I think sometimes what it is, it's that inner child mm -hmm. that's always wanting that love, that recognition that it necessarily didn't get, he or she didn't yeah. get rather yeah. growing yeah. up. And there are so many people who have gone through that. Obviously parents have done the best. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's no manual to be the perfect no. parent. No. I'm sure I damaged my children. <laughs> I'm sure in <laughs> some way they are damaged by what how I raised them. Um, you know, because we we raised our children based off of how we were raised. Mm -hmm. And every generation, I think, changes certain things about how they were raised. And they're like, I'm not gonna raise my children this way. I'm Correct. sure my kid, there are some things that my kids, when they have children will say, I'm not going to do that, even though I was raised that way. And that's okay. That's absolutely fine. But I also want to add, obviously, because of what I've studied and everything, when you do start your healing journey, you end up healing the generations gone before and the generations that are coming. So obviously you've already started that shift. Yeah. Yeah. You've already started that shift and I'm sure that you can actually see the differences in your own kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
I mean, gosh, if I could go back though, when they were little and learn what I know, what I know now and go back, my gosh, I would like, there's so many things I would have done differently raising them. But on the other hand, they're great kids. Like they're amazing just the way they are. But also I would also flip the script in the respect that you grew up with them as well. Absolutely. With my oldest, yes. And you learned a lot. I did. Otherwise you wouldn't be the person who you are today. No, no. Oh yeah, she she definitely formed me from the mo- minute of conception. The minute I found out I was pregnant, I was just like, okay, it's time to, time to flip things up and, and cause you know, you know, started having conversations about how are we going to discipline the kids? You know, I'm not going to fight in front of them. We're not going to spank them. We're not, you know, there's a lot that, that we talked about before she was even born. And then after she wow. was born, it was just like, what, what am I going to do with this little thing? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, just eat, sleep and poop. <laughs> And then repeat. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, I got blessed with twins. Gosh, I don't know what the universe was thinking then. <laughs> oh God, how do you manage with twins? Because I know I have friends who've got twins, and they like some of them. Te- some of them have taken um, to it to it like duck to water. Some of them have struggled. They were like mm-hmm. one, now two. How do we cope? Right. Yeah. Well, one was really easy compared to two. All the complaints that I ever did about having one child out the window. Um, but with two, it was just, it, you you just had to figure it out just like you did with one. I mean, you just figure it out. I mean, you know, we, we tried to, you know, put them on a schedule. We both got up with both of them at, at night. One of us took a baby and the other one took the other one. It was just, you know, you just, you just did it. You just, yeah, you just did it. You just figured it out. Instinct. Yeah. Instinct, intuition. You just, yeah, you just figure it out. So your journey with the ayahuasca, how did it lead to you to where you are now? It showed me um, just, and I don't want to make this sound like a conceited comment, but it showed me just how amazing I am and how brilliant I am. And I know some people don't have um, good journeys with plant medicine. Um, And I think if I hadn't done all the healing I did beforehand, that I might not have had the journey I had. Mm. Um, Or if I wasn't with the shaman that I was with, I might not have had the journey I had. Um, I would absolutely do it all over again. I'm hoping to do it again this coming summer Um, just because I enjoyed I enjoyed the community. I enjoyed the experience. Um, and it's a, it's just a different way of learning about yourself that you, you can't do on a regular basis. How would you say that your journey has impacted your work in the recent years? I think I'm a lot more open-minded about some things. You know, if if someone had told me 10 years ago that um, I had 
um, a disembodied spirit attached to me from a past life that was just hanging on and causing me, uh, you know, friction in this lifetime. I would have been like, you want to go get a straight jacket and hit a padded room? (laughs) (laughs) But, but now knowing what I know and knowing that, that, you know, sometimes we have these other energies that we know nothing about attached to us. And, you know, we give them certain names, but they're just energies that are just causing us problems that, you know, we just need to get rid of. There's just a lot in the energy world that I never would have thought. It it can be quite mind boggling. It can. Yeah. And, and, you know, in, in most people, if I talk to them, you know, like I talk to my clients, they would probably want to put me in a padded room and, you know, keep me hidden away. (laughs) But, you know, there's so much out there that we don't know about. Well, it's uncharted territory. That's why, you know, people are now really coming out in the open and talking about things more and more but obviously we've been conditioned in such a way to be and thinking yeah yeah certain quote unquote way because going to school you know this is how you do it you can't do it any other way this is the right way so that creativity that we have as kids that curiosity kind of gets toned down I'm not going to use the word dumbed down I want to say toned down because we're kind of molded to think in certain ways and now as we've are going forward there's been such a huge energetic spiritual shift in the last I would say 10-15 years Mm -hmm. you know where people are waking up and the people who were thinking in a certain way done a complete u-turn yeah. and they're like nope it's yeah. not that anymore yeah. so it's it's really really good to see all these shifts that are happening and the human mind or the human race however you want to describe mm-hmm. it is really waking up to its truest potential we've still got a long way to go Oh yeah, oh yeah. We've still got a long way to go before we get there, but <laughs> yeah, but we're going in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. So you've said you've done a lot of varied work. You've done the energy healing. So what made you become a self care coach? Um, you know, women do not take care of themselves. They just don't. They they get up. They if they shower right away, they, they might shower right away. They get the kids ready for school, get them breakfast, go to work, come home, make dinner. And while they're at work, they're working for somebody else. They, they, they don't take, I had a conversation with a lady one time and we were talking about meditation and I was like, she's like, I don't have time. I'm like, you don't have five minutes to sit in your car in the parking lot and close your eyes and do nothing for five minutes. And she's like, no, I was like, you need to find the time because that's ridiculous. You should not be spending 18 hours a day doing for everybody else. Out of that 18 hours, you need to take an hour for yourself. 
even if it's broken up throughout the day, take an hour for yourself. Because if you're not taking care of yourself, you're going to break down. You're going to get mental illness. You're going to get physical illness. It, it's You're going to be short with people. You're, it's just there's so, so much that can be fixed by just giving ourselves an hour a day to rest and heal. Completely agree. I think what it is, again, it comes down to that learned behavior because yeah. we come from a generation of women that did okay, everything, that did everything, even our mothers. And even our grandmothers probably where we were taught, okay, you can do whatever a man can do, you know, so a lot, you can do it all. So uh, over a period of time, society has changed so much to the point where women have forgotten to be in their feminine energy, which is to kind of relax, take a laid back approach to things. And we've gone more into our masculinity Mm-hmm. energy whereas men have gone the opposite way to a certain degree because men are not it, it, it's just kind of mind-boggling it's like yeah. role reversals to a certain degree but there are and I want to say and kudos to those men who are actually stepping out rediscovering their masculinity and kind of getting back into the driving seat of where they know that they have to lead and the woman has to take that step back. So it it is a struggle, obviously, being a woman myself. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is a struggle of trying to like not be in that masculine energy where you're constantly on the go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, women who have careers, I mean, obviously, I come from a corporate background and I can remember it would be like, get up in the morning and it would be constant go, 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 go. I wouldn't even think twice about any ache or pain right, or anything. And now mm-hmm. it's just my approach is completely different, you yeah. know, and it's so, so important, like you said, to find that five minutes just to meditate, ground mm-hmm. yourself, whether you're a man or a woman. Absolutely. Even if you have to sit on the toilet for an extra two minutes, just sit there and do nothing. That that's all meditation is, is the act of doing nothing. But I I don't know what 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 you'll say to this, but where we're constantly in the go-go, that's where the overthinking kicks in. Mm-hmm. And it's become a norm. Yeah. And I sometimes have had conversations with friends and I was just like, let go of the overthinking. I can't. Mm-hmm. You can. You're just choosing not to. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I can't. I don't know where to start. And I'm like, just don't do nothing. Numb out. Watch something that's going to distract you, like a comedy. I might right. go to. Or color. Comedy. Or color. Some people don't even have the patience for that. Ugh. Or scribble. I, I don't think people. Scribble. Just just be a three-year-old. I was just telling my husband. I asked him. He was, you know, just he's working from home today. And I was like, do you need a hug? He's like, I feel like a three-year-old. I said, be a three-year-old. Just, you know how much fun three-year-olds have? Just be a three-year-old. Color, make mud pies. Do something that's going to take you out of your head. Yeah. (laughs) I think, do you know what it is? Because we've become too adult, Mm -hmm. 
we've mm-hmm. forgotten to connect with our inner child and connecting yep. with your inner child is so so important isn't it you know you really need to have that creativity flowing yeah because if we don't we're just like like a pair yeah. zombies mm-hmm. yeah and then and we get and chill for for eight hours <laughs> yeah and we're not supposed to be zombies no <laughs> we are not with your work how do you help men and women obviously I know you predominantly work with women mm-hmm. but if for example someone came to you burnt out stressed out didn't know what they wanted to do in a relationship or with themselves what would you say to them um I would I would suggest that we look at both what's going on with their energy you know what is it that they wanted to accomplish what is the outcome that they want to be at and then go from there and it's it's going to be more than one session it's going to be more than three sessions. I'm not going to, to, to try to convince somebody that, that the work we do is going to be done overnight. There's never a quick fix to any of this. There's never a quick fix. There's no supplement. There's no, um, medication. There's no energy session. There's, there's no book that is going to fix everything overnight. And also what people need to be aware of, which some people aren't, is it's not one fit that fix, fits right, it's not everyone. One thing. Right, which is why I do the conscious work and the subconscious. Mm. Because which is really, really important because you never know what right. the underlying issue is. Right, right. And we can, and the beautiful thing is that if you're having trouble meditating is we can find out, well, is there an energetic reason why you can't meditate? And there, are, there very well could be. But you have to do the conscious work because you have to take care of your physical body. You have to take care of your physical mind. But I add in the energetic work because Lord knows what you brought from your ancestors, from your other lives, from people around you, what you've absorbed, what you share with other people. It's just like you don't have just your energy in your bubble. You have energy from your friend when you were five years old and you got in trouble for doing something you know you might have taken on their energy because you're an empath and you wanted to make them feel better and now you've been carrying it for 30 years it's quite mind-boggling when you actually start and I know, I, I know it sounds overwhelming and it can be like well why bother well because you can get really far very quickly by pairing the two together you know, I've always said mindset work works. Yeah. But and that's why. It, but when you pair it with with clearing out old baggage, old energetic baggage. It's going to catapult you even quicker. Completely. Completely. Agree. It's like I tend to use two analogies. So it's like it's like peeling back the layers of the onion. To mm-hmm. get rid of the blockages and heal those emotions and everything and the other analogy that I tend to use when I speak to some people is Bruce Lee said be like water so water is supposed to flow Mm -hmm. but if you go and put a rock there you're blocking the water and that's exactly what we are doing with our energy exactly yeah 
Yeah. You know, so, and I think people are coming around to more of this way of thinking and this way of life. And also, if we think about it, they always say the mind, body, soul connection, and this is what it actually is. People think, oh, yeah, I'll just go to the gym. I'm stressed out and I'll de-stress. That's not enough. You need to have your mental peace of mind as well. Yep, because when you when you leave the gym, that stress usually comes right back. Yeah, you've avoided that stress for an hour by working mm-hmm. out. But if you don't take care of the root cause, it's not going to take long for it to rear its ugly head again. Yeah, because trauma <laughs> is trapped in our bodies. Yeah, absolutely. People just don't understand. Yep. Now, if you had any nuggets of wisdom to share, what would your nuggets of wisdom be? Well, my favorite quote is um, from the Santa Claus movies. Might have been in other other movies, but it's um, seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. You know, put your trust in yourself. Just go with your gut. Listen to your intuition. You know what's right for you and don't let other people tell you what is right for you. Don't let them talk you into things that you don't want to do or into um, or out of things that you want to do. As long as you're not hurting yourself or anybody else, go for it. Experience it. Have fun. Having fun is the key. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people have forgotten that. Yeah. And yeah. they really, really struggle with it. They do. They really do. I still struggle with it sometimes. We're only human. But we're human. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Tinya, for coming onto the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. This was so much fun. Great. Thank you. Have a great day. You too.